seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Hello and welcome to the Vitamin Celtic podcast. My name is Lon Stonigan. And I'm joined this week, as I'm joined every week, by my good pals, Paul Thompson, Remy Hooksing. How are you doing, Paul? Uh, a bit down. Uh, thanks, Lon. So I was hoping to see Beyonce at Hamden next year, but wee Billy for Paul scuppered all that last night. <laughs> I, take, <laughs> <laughs> I take it you're referring to the first 15 minutes of uh, Super Scoreboard. Well, it's just tragic that you know that the deception and corruption in Scottish football could have such an impact on an international superstar like Beyonce. <laughs> Bears against Beyonce. That's what we are. Yeah, actually, Ray, it was amazing. I, I haven't been listening to Super Scoreboard for the last few weeks. I just couldn't bear it. But the uh, I did tune in for that one after somebody told me about it. But the uh, it's amazing the level of ignorance. I. You know, people have about how the structures of Scottish football. The other thing I thought was, see that who's the guy at Radio Clyde? Is it Gordon? Is it Gordon something? Gordon Duncan. He's brilliant. Gordon Duncan. He's really he's good. He's brilliant. He's actually he's actually the only. He admits to supporting Motherwell, and he's the only person that admits to supporting a Diddy team that actually supports them. Uh, it's, uh, but he is so polite, and you know, when confronted by morons, he's br- he's really brilliant, and he. He never insults him, and he kind of moves the conversation on. Really, mm. I mean, it was I very. He, uh, he's he's quite good with the colours, man. Well. Yeah. The guy Jamie, Jamie that came on at the end, and was on, ranting and raving about the SFA, and when he finished, Gordon Duncan just went, "It's the SPFL." <laughs> <laughs> just clamp. Uh, These guys are ranting and raving about, and they don't know what they're ranting and raving about. It was uh, it was very very funny, brilliant stuff. So good, uh, good. What's his name again, Rem? Gordon. Gordon. Gordon Duncan. Yeah, very good. Uh, really good. Um, where to start with this, Paul? I mean, pick the bones out of all of this. Uh, I guess we're just recording this, and the Rangers statement uh, has just come out. <laughs> to be honest, I, I I couldn't stop myself. I just jumped on the. I know. I thought you had to sign up for follow follow, but you don't. You can just go on and read it. So if anybody wants a laugh. Go and read the. Uh, they just put a thread up on the the Rangers statement. I'll just very quickly. So the thread, the statement goes up, and then the comments start coming down. <laughs> here we go. So it's gone down like a. Well, we'll see. So here, the first. Uh, so the statement's there, and then it goes. First comment: wind and pish. <laughs> <laughs> Underwhelmed to say the least. Gutted by that. Nothing gonna happen. Wibble. I guess we never had evidence in the first... It sounds like, uh, <laughs> sounds like Twitter after we posted a podcast, Paul. Aye, uh, well, it's uh, probably a wee bit more positive than lately, but uh, good, good luck to them. God, God bless them, because that, the, the disappointment they're going to be facing tonight, having read that, uh, I think the facade's sort of crumbling a little bit as to what this has all been about now. Uh, well, I guess we'll come on to them later. I don't want the podcast to be about them, but the uh, we'll come on to what this was all about from their perspective. We'll, we'll chat about that later on. Uh, here, from Celtic's perspective, Rem, I, I guess as a, a lifelong Celtic fan, you're absolutely delighted that a cakewalk to a, a, a ninth league title in a row has been disrupted, uh, a chance at a fourth, a fourth uh, treble disrupted. I mean, that's just brilliant. That's exactly what Celtic wanted. 
right? Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, that, me and Paul have got we get no interest in going to the games and meeting up for celebratory beers and you know the, the only upside is we don't see any Wayne's running about the pitch with a trophy. But that's <laughs> about it. I mean, if you, if you, we all we all want to go to the games. We all want to see the team winning it. Every Paul Paul made a point. He was on the Motherwell podcast. You know. Celtic fans don't celebrate like other clubs because they're blase about it. That's bollocks. I mean, we all love it. But I mean, you get last night in Five Live, Roddy, their chief Scottish football correspondent, Roddy Forsyth, said that Rangers wanted to play the league out and Celtic didn't, and this vote suits them. And that's just crazy. That is crazy. The only the only thing it, it did for us is it it it, not, it killed any hope that the kick the can mob had of bringing null and void into play although it was never going to happen it meant that that option was gone but you know we, 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 he's talking about a team that want to play games yet have set have ripped up their pitch and said they won't play behind closed doors that really says they want to play uh, is that Roddy with a silent P Roddy with a ah, you nick my joke you bastard <laughs> <laughs> So, it's just, uh, again, Celtic, they're the only team that could have afforded to, well, I don't even know, Celtic could have afforded to start up again in September or whatever. I mean, it's just ludicrous, this narrative. What's amazing to me, Paul, this has revealed how many Closet Rangers fans there are in the Scottish media. Aye, aye, they've come out. Even more than normal, they've come out of the woodwork and there's a huge degree of coordination around it as well, which I think is most people are starting to see through it. I mean, there was there was a bit of debate. This, this Remy mentioned I was guesting on the Motherwell podcast the other night with a, a Hibs fan and a Hearts fan. It was actually, uh, actually quite a good discussion, but uh, we were talking about the sports sound. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to avoid the term, but clusterfuck that happened on Saturday afternoon, which is, was just bizarre. The, the, the line-up of rogues that they had on that, just talking absolute rubbish about what was going on. Uh, I mentioned, you know, on Twitter earlier, I think it was somebody had mentioned around the coordination today with Gerard and uh, Ali McCoy, both miraculously managing to use the same big words simultaneously on different media channels to describe what was going on with the SPFL's internal investigation. It's almost verbatim. So, you know, people see through that. That's It goes beyond being news anymore. It just looks like spin and it smells like spin. Um, yeah, so I think we should nail that. Uh, there was only, well, of the two, well, one big club in Scotland and then the other, noisy club in Scotland. Of those two, there was only one team that A, could afford to play, uh, start playing again in September, and B, actually wanted to. I mean, it's very convenient for Ray. I mean, contrary to what uh, uh, Roddy Forsyth would tell a, 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 a national audience, it's very convenient for uh, Espanyol to have the league uh, ended right now. I mean, another nine games, I mean, there's a fair chance that that they'd be looking for a new manager. I mean, a fair chance that season tickets for next year would would collapse, uh, because given their form pre the pre this uh, disruption, they were they were only heading one way. Uh, so, in, in in actual fact, uh, you would think that it's more well. They knew they were never going to win the league in the first place. Uh, they were in an absolute free fall. Uh, can you imagine the attendances at uh, at the municipal dump? 
if they'd you know lost to St Mirren or St Johnson, there would have been absolute bedlam over there. So all very convenient for me. Another crap season for their their much vaunted manager. I mean, what was it last year, Paul? Uh, oh, it's, uh, we're just bedding in. And I can't remember what the excuse would be. Oh, yeah, it'll be, uh, oh, well, we, they stole the title from us this year. Can, as uh. I, I think we mentioned it in the last podcast, 13 points ahead. I, you know, I think two, two, two points dropped since, uh, since uh, the winter break. I mean, total, yeah. total rubbish, that narrative. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the Gerrard thing, it's almost forgotten now because of you know what's happened in the last three, four weeks globally, but... Ten days before we went into lockdown, they had a 48-hour period where they, a good number of them believed Gerard was about to resign based on the fact that he was, his face was tripping him after they'd lost to, to Hearts on the the Saturday. And I think they then well, went... I was going to say, I was just going to clarify, Paul, which Hearts loss was that? <laughs> I was, I was too, I, well, it was the one that came between the before the Hamilton one, which... Oh, was, that one! Uh, but you know that that's that's where their season was. Their season was was absolutely in the gutter and you know where it belongs. To be perfectly frank, but this narrative that's emerged in the last three weeks of this you know dynamic resurgent Rangers with a wonderfully tactically astute manager who were going to sweep aside Celtic, who were cowering behind uh, getting the league stopped because. Yeah, where, what planet do these people think that they were living on? Uh, it, is, it is amazing uh, that, of course, I've long held the view that the BBC down south has nothing but contempt for the uh, for the BBC in Scotland. The uh, it's not I'm not making a nationalistic point, but there it's just a just a, an inconvenience to them, uh, and they and they don't really pay uh, they pay as little attention as they possibly can. Now, the consequences of that for BBC Scotland is that you do have panels like that thing on Saturday with a bunch of numbskull ex-Rangers players, assorted Rangers players and fans, uh, and this most incredibly one-sided discussion. Uh, you have, I mean, you know, senior BBC Scotland journalists, you know, peddling conspiracy theories on social media. I mean, that's fine. If you've got a story, write it. I mean, great. I love a story. I mean, everybody loves a story, uh, but but the idea that you know senior BBC journalists in whatever the headquarters are, these Manchester or London, would be putting out you know conspiracy theories and nudging on social media is absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. It would never ever happen. Yet in Scotland, it's allowed to happen. I mean, the BBC Scotland's uh, output, radio output on this over the last. I mean, credit to Kerry Nitsan. Uh, you know, self, you know, he he's been on top of the uh, Inverness Kayleigh Thistle story, or Kayleigh Thistle, whatever it's fucking called. Oh uh, so, but but other than that, it's just been a lot of you know a lot of thunder and near lightning. Uh, did you hear that panel discussion, uh, Rem? I did. Uh, I thought it was ludicrous. Um, they they were all they were all on it, slanted with. A no vote, apart from Willie Miller, who at least tried to be objective. You know, Michael Stewart was totally there in self-interest, but like his pal at the Guardian, whose gas is now at a peak. It's oh, uh, one for the kids, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> Chick Young, Chick Young, 
Oh, St Byrne fan. Yep. Okay. Uh, Tom English. We should be voting no. Scott Gardner, the grass, uh, with his. You know, you wouldn't want to tell him anything in confidence as he read out every email and uh, sorry WhatsApp message he'd had for people, and you know which he'd given to his mate Kerry Nidsan, who sometimes works for him, I believe. So it was all geared against no, and I don't know if you saw the Twitter timeline. Andrew Wilson, the Motherwell director, kept tweeting them saying, "When are you going to put a bit of balance in this?" Why are we not get somebody who knows in about the law or the constitution and this? Right, so obviously Motherwell had a totally different view on this, but they didn't ask anybody from a top league club on who voted yes. The person who came on to speak about it was the guy for Forfa. So yeah. it was completely, and, and no harm to the boy, he said Forfa ran a tight ship and it wouldn't be an issue for them, but they knew other teams didn't and they wanted to get them money, right? So... That was their take. But why did they not get somebody on from Hibs or Motherwell or Aberdeen? It was, um, it was just uh, classic. Again, the sort of thing that would, would never would never get away with it in Manchester or London. Um, but again, there seems to be a, a lack of adult supervision in some kind of way. The, uh, we'll come on to the SPFL uh, resolution. I, I, I'm, I mean, it was a shambles handling. I agreed, Paul. I, I, you might have, you might make a case for voting no. To be honest, you, you mm. know, on the basis that you you might a better a better resolution, you know, that takes care of. We'll come on to it, reconstruction <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it was. Aye, so it, it's a shambles, and as much as it's been presented as a shambles, if anybody's listened to anything the SPFL or the SPL prior to it have touched in PR terms in the last ten years. Everything's been yeah. shambolic, so there's nothing to be surprised at about there. But ultimately, what you've got to bear in mind is, if the resolution was so shambolic, why did nearly 85% of the clubs vote for it? Now, I don't for a minute... Taking a step back, and, and, and sort of tying back to what you just said, there was an interesting uh, thread yesterday which was kicking about, which uh, Celtic Research Twitter account, who I know the guy behind that, a very, very good guy, friend of mine, but he had mentioned... A couple of quotes that were given by uh, Inverness and by Thistle in terms of the resolution. So Scott Gardner on Saturday said that Thistle had been handed a 105-page document and given oh, 48 wow. hours or something to review it. Thistle had put a statement out, in, or it said in their statement where they, they threatened legal action, that they'd been given a 25-page document. And I think uh, the Celtic Research guys had identified that I think the actual resolution was something like 11 pages. So, so in terms of even just a, a simple detail like that, it just shows you how things can be spun. If Scott Gardner makes a statement and says, I got a 105-page document to read, but to be honest, how hard is it to read 105 pages if you're a business guy? It, sh- it shouldn't take you long. But even on that basis, why did he say that if it was only 11 pages? But you know why he said it. He's trying to create... Sorry, I was going to... Do you know, maybe not how you put it in a photocopy and hit for 10 copies? Hang on, wait, I, I, do, I don't want to get into the, the woods of this, right? It's just b- okay. boring, right? And uh, I mean, I'm sure it's important, but it's just kind of boring. Just on the SPFL, you bang on, Paul, though. Uh, well, the first thing is, never ask a question to which you don't know the answer. You, you, you don't put a resolution up if, you, if, it's going to be, if it's going to be nip and tuck. 
for a start. You get, you find a resolution that everybody will, will vote for, then you put that up. It's just a question of leadership. And Neil Doncaster is an absolute disaster. This, the handling of this has been absolutely shocking. And that's only the public aspects of what we know about the handling of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's indefensible. It's, uh, Celtic fans, it, it's it's kind of complicated for us because some of this is really, really hard to defend. I mean, the, right, right. I, I actually agree, but from a Celtic perspective, right, who who put the resolution together? Right, Leaving aside the conspiracy theories, the resolution was put together by the SPFL board, which Celtic are no members of. Yeah. But actually... Who's made the most noise about the SPFL resolution? Rangers, who are members of the SPFL board. So, so the, the Rangers representative of the SPFL board is their managing director, who is supposedly, I'm sure, allowing these statements to go out, effectively challenging his own authority and his own governance. So you can say what you like about the, the resolution. I think the point being... You know, the conspiracy theory has it that Celtic are the Machiavellian force behind all this, but we weren't involved in drafting the resolution. The uh, Well, I think we can agree, we can all agree on two things. One, that uh, Robertson's position on the SPF award is completely untenable. <laughs> you have a, I mean, it's just ins- insane, right? So there's that. And the other thing we can all agree is Rangers throughout this have, have behaved in, completely without in bad faith. That's That's been their whole... Their whole modus operandi. No, not at all. Well, they were doing it for the good of Scottish football. Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting if you look at all the no voters, right? All the all the clubs who voted no were either fighting for promotion or relega- uh, relegation. Right? They were all involved, or they had a chance of staying up or a chance of getting promoted through a playoff. Bar one club who. Have got a chance of winning. No, not not a chance. They've got a ninety nine percent chance of winning nothing. So why did they vote against that resolution? Well, but well, we all know. We'll come on to that. But bad faith. They've acted with bad faith throughout this. Here, it's worth uh, looking at this, Paul. That you know, what were the options for Scottish football? There was, uh, to me, there seems to have been two options. One, uh, wait it out. I, I favoured this, to be honest. Wait it out until I was informed that it was nonsense. Wait it out and uh, start the league in some shape or form, even maybe behind closed doors, uh, and finish the league off and then start the new season a week later. Uh, the other option was uh, null and void. So, wait it out and try and play. What, what was the problem with that? I think as we understand it at the moment, the, the problem is likely to be twofold. One is how long's a piece of string in terms of when that would start? Because we still don't know really, you know, within I've, we've just announced in the UK another three week lockdown period. So, you know, working on for that, you'd imagine that the NHS emergency period that's supposed to end in the middle of June is going to get extended as well. So suddenly so, you're into July. And, it was all, and, hang on, so that, that was June the 10th, wasn't it? It looks like it at the moment. I mean, based on where we are with. Uh, with the government advice that's come out today, you'd like you'd like to think would be you know kind of looking at lockdowns being lifted sometime during May, but even then, that's still going to leave you know a, a potential period beyond that when there's still a lot of NHS serious work going on. So well, that gets you that gets you football wise 
probably more likely going to be, you know, July, August, September before you start well, going. Yeah, well, hang on know. a sec, but that would... So if it goes June the 10th, it gets pushed back. So you get into July, you get into August, then you've got six weeks for training. I think that's uh, the num- yeah. the week, the time period it's been. So then you're into September, October. I mean, Scottish football. I mean, we can't wait till October, Ren, can we? Absolutely not, because I think the point we've made consistently in the last 363 podcasts we've done this month is that we want a league to play in. And there's no Scottish clubs can afford to hang out to then because they won't be able to sell season tickets, which is over 40% of their income, and for the lower leagues, there'll be more than that. And we've also got the additional complication of the new Sky TV deal. Which is, well, I, I saw a discussion uh, for a part between, uh, I think it was Tom English and uh, and uh, when it, it was a Barca boy, about the TV deal. As I under, well, we've, somebody's mentioned this to us, Paul, the... So the, the deal, the new deal starts on August the 1st, right? Now, I'm Mr. Sky. There's, uh, by all accounts, I mean, it depends who you believe, but I've seen it kicking about in social media. If the league doesn't start on August the 1st, that would trigger a clause allowing Sky to renegotiate. Not to bail. I'm sure Sky, I mean, Sky need content. They're not going to bail in Scottish football. But they are, they would then have a chance to renegotiate the deal if it doesn't, if the the, if SPFL reneges on the deal to start football on yeah. on August the 1st. Now, I'm Sky, okay? I've signed a deal with Scottish football when uh, the economy was going great guns, uh, interest was high in Scottish football, uh, good players coming in because the transfer market was quite buoyant, a bit of activity, a lot of interest. Uh, August the 1st, if I'm Sky, I get the chance to renegotiate. Am I going to re- renegotiate and pay more? Or am I... <laughs> The the, the added uh, element to that equation, Lawrence, is the fact that Sky are in a position just now whereby then they'll probably have not had any subscriptions for their sports service for a number of months. Certainly at the moment, they're they're not getting anything in. And that's that's going to obviously have an impact on their their negotiation position as well. I think where the SPFL are, you can look at the, the, the 1st of August start date or not start date two ways. One is, if all things have been equal and the country's been reopened or football's been given permission to go back on, then the SPFL would want to start at that point in whatever way they can, uh, probably more than likely behind closed doors given everything else that's going on. How, and that's in their hands at that point. If it's not in their hands, if we're still in a position where medical advice says not to do whatever, contractually they're in limbo, but they're in safe limbo because you then have like force majeure kicks in, which basically says there's circumstances beyond the control of both parties. So Sky's contract can't be uh, enforced at that point. Whereas if SPFL chose to delay it, then as you said already, uh, Sky can look at it and go, well, hold on a minute, we're paying X hundred million. No one no. We're going to pay Y million yeah. and take it down. They'd be daft, not Um yeah, Sky, you that's, know. that's ignoring that's ignoring the fact that they're also owed games for this season that they're probably not going to get. Well, they're definitely not going to get. So what do they do with that? Are we paying them back, or are we going to say, well, just net it off this deal, or you know, let's uh, all accept that you know it was a worldwide pandemic, nobody could do anything. Let's just start this deal on August the first, if we can. 
well, that, the assumption is that Sky is in some way be benevolent, but it's not in Sky's interest to be benevolent. They have their own bot, but they have their own bottom line. Uh, I think BT are going to be benevolent oh, with the SPFL oh. after what Doncaster said. Well, yes, Doncaster's a. So essentially, to to wait it out, uh, the best option, you know, in a sporting sense, to wait it out would be cause massive economic problem for Scottish football. Uh, it would. I think the the Sky deal depends on. Somebody says one hundred sixty million. Somebody said one hundred twenty five million. It depends who you ask. Regardless, it's a huge amount of money in the context of Scottish football. For for to put that in, in any kind of uh, jeopardy would be a disastrous decision. To rely on Sky's benevolence is just just bananas. Um, I, of course, there are other. There are other con- contracts kicking around as well, which presumably would would fall into the same category as the Sky deal, Rem. Well, we've not got a league sponsor, uh, and I don't think we've got a sponsor for the Scottish Cup, um, which is what which is one of the reasons why they want to keep the the League Cup because that's the bet, Fred. You know, because that's the thing we all said. Well, you could kick that into touch to buy some time back, um, but you know, Celtic have got a strip deal with Adidas. Which I think starts the first of June. Um, I'm pretty sure we want new strips because even if there's no football, we can at least sell new strips and we'll sell a truckload of them. Mm. Um, the yeah, it's just uh, absurd. The the other thing is, uh, riddle me this, Rem. Uh, I'm trying to sell season tickets. Uh, what's what gives me a better chance of selling season tickets? Hey, uh, we're starting the league again. We're starting the league, the new season on August the first. Uh, these are the. This is a fixture list. Uh, these are the home games. Or hey, buy a season ticket. We don't know how many games are legal to, uh, will be taking place in the league. Uh, we don't know when the league will start. I mean, what's the uh, market potential of that? I'll uh, pick option A. Aye, exactly. Um, so nice, le- nice leading question though. But well done. No, but- it's just, it's uh, the more you look at it, or the more you choose to look at it. Obviously, people don't don't choose to look at it. Uh, the more absurd it becomes, Paul. Right? Yeah, and you make a a good point about the the season ticket launch. And, and if you link it back to the the TV deals, both Sky and is it Premier Sports, the League Cup deal, and and whoever gets the whoever's keeping the Scottish Cup deal, uh, the proportionate importance of those deals to Scottish football is going to be Massive. amplified as well because actually if you're going if you if we assume you'll see some kind of reduction in gate money and none of us know when that'll kick in and how long it'll kick in for but if, if let's say if we can safely assume that the, maybe the first couple of months are going to be impacted in the season either reduced crowds or no crowds at all then the only source of income really you've got coming in is sponsorship merchandise and tv money uh, yeah, right about the the importance of the Sky deals amplified. As you, we don't have a league sponsor, we don't have a Scottish Cup sponsor. Uh, I, I I know Sky's not got the Scot uh, the Scottish Cup uh, uh, coverage deal, uh, but you're bang on. So essentially, we really need to protect that. That is the crown jewel. The TV deal is the crown jewel of Scottish football. It is the lifeblood, literally the lifeblood, and everything has to be done to. Not jeopardise it. It's a fair summation, Rem. I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, the Scottish Cup remains with Premier Sports 
and uh, Rangers TV. I uh, sorry, the BBC. <laughs> so only one of them, only one of them will be interested in finishing this season's Scottish Cup. So I, I'd still hope we play that, but William Hill drop out after this year. No league sponsor can't sell season tickets. Scottish football needs that television deal. And absolutely. And I, I'm guessing that this has been explained to everybody involved, uh, which makes well, it. Yeah, you look at the on by Sunday, the, the BBC actually had the the sense to actually ask somebody smart on who voted yes, the Ross County chairman, who is a far more successful business person than Anne Budge, and said that Ross County could survive without the money but they needed the certainty and the clarity about next season. And I think that's what the Forfer chairman said as well, and that says it all. It's about next season. Why wreck two seasons when you've played 80% of one and you can call it? The um, So that's option one taken care of. Option two, null and void. Uh, do you... You're very good at following up or keeping an eye out for this stuff. Spain have just said something, haven't they, Paul? What was the Spanish thing you sent? Spain, Spain are looking at, I think they're going through a, a similar thought process to where we were. I think they were being quite aggressive about when they could get the games restarted in the same way that Italy and Germany probably were as well. Maybe thinking that they were through the worst of it, but I think they've come out tonight and said that they're, they're looking at a backup plan now which, uh, which would see the league being called at some stage between now and the end of June, but I think they've been quite adamant to say that null and void will be off the table in that scenario. So uh, they seem to have gone through probably a, a slightly higher profile uh, league, obviously, but quite a similar thought process to I think Scotland is, which is almost like the the, the denial through to acceptance, through to, you know, whatever the next stage is. But at the moment, it's uh, it's looking like Spain will probably have to call it at some point and start thinking about next season as well. But yeah, the, the null and void thing, uh, I think England have been quite adamant. I know there was early bluster around that one, but there, there seems to be a, a, you know, a, a bit of realisation down there that you, you couldn't possibly null and void it from a contractual point of view for both at club and at a FA Premier League level. And I think that's the same for, for Scotland is... I think the people who are blown hard about null and void or have blown hard about null and void have absolutely no understanding of what they mean. They're just thinking it from the fact that it would it would take a nine off our uh, off our list. That's all they're interested in because the ones who actually sit back, look at the even with a cursory understanding of business or economics, just know what, what null and void will do to Scottish yeah, football. Yeah, worry it. Rem, so null and void would mean would mean what from a well. Well, the idiot, the idiots would say you null and void it and you issue the prize money, but you can't do that. If you null and void it, you can't have prize money. You probably might, you probably could have to pay all your season ticket money back. You may have to pay your sponsorship and TV money back. It was the the choice of the idiots, or oh, sorry, idiot, because there was only one club driving it. They didn't want to admit it. They wanted to kick it down the road as quick as far as they could so that it became a potential option. Nobody was in favour of Alan Void bar one club. And they would they would have burned the whole of Scottish football down just to stop us getting nine in a row because they couldn't do it themselves because they weren't good enough. The uh, the, the point about 
I'm sure neither you or Paul would have sued Celtic for your season ticket money back, but the people would. And they would be well within their rights, wouldn't they? I mean, they were sold a bill of goods that, that didn't come to pass. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I I know wouldn't you go wouldn't. back for the money, the money, the games I've seen, right? Now, I think it was Paul that sent us a message today that a mysterious little uh, option appeared in our uh, ticket account today, our customer account on the Celtic website. And that, that is, was it called Cashback, Paul? T- uh, I, th- I think it's called t- uh, account cashback option, and it seems to be there's nothing in it. It's it, but but it says you son on the lines of if you know click this to have money returned to your bank account. So it, it almost looks like they're setting up a mechanism if people choose to 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 want those refunds that there'll be a mechanism mechanism there to get it. Whether there would be refunds or whether you would you know, take them in that way or whether it could offset against next season ticket or it could offset against away tickets or European tickets. I mean, with, until they come out and publish what that's there for. I think somebody had spotted it and put it up on Twitter this morning. Uh, Eddie at Celtic Underground had put something out about it, Celtic Rumours, and then I went on to my ticket account and checked and it seems to be in everybody's account. So what does that, that mean, Remy? That miserable bastard would spot it. There's money in it for him. He would have clocked that. <laughs> what, uh, so I mean, what would the deal the there be, Rem? What's the well, deal there? It's going to be the four the four home games that we haven't got. If the league's called, we've missed four home games that we've paid for. So they're probably, looks like, going to give us the option to have that money back or as Paul says they may give you might have the option to say it's alright you can keep it or you might have the option as Paul says against European tickets you know away games who knows um, but it's an option that has just appeared in everybody's ticket account today so something's going on but I think in a week you know the, the UEFA meetings I think it's the 23rd of April uh if if we're if the SPFL is the position to call the league the next day, they may well do. Celtic should be getting the forty grand back off the Govan Galacticos and giving that back to the supporters that paid. And Hibs should also be giving us back the money for the tickets that had been bought at that time. And if they haven't, if Celtic haven't given that money to Hibs, then Celtic should be reimbursing the people that bought them as well. Again, another reason. Another nail in the coffin of Celtic want it called. That Celtic are desperate to get it called. I'm sure uh, Peter Lovell doesn't love handing back money that was already in the bank account. Absolutely. I mean, just uh, ridiculous. I mean, I, the, the one thing I would say about Peter Lovell was at least Peter Lovell hasn't he spent that money that was in the well, bank no, account. Well, no, absolutely. Whereas the other mob have, the other mob have, they've tanned it long ago. The uh, So essentially, uh, waiting it out not viable, null and void, was never an option, never an option in Scotland, never an option in Spain, never an option in England. Uh, It will never happen, would never happen, never had a chance of happening. So we're left with that. Uh, So what are we left with? Um, I think we've already covered it, Paul. Uh, Well, I was going to say, one club acting in in bad faith and their their acolytes and fans at other clubs... uh, jumping on the bandwagon yeah uh, and I think I mean we've we've talked in both off air and on air about 
their PR operation and, and the success and otherwise of it. And certainly for a period last week, it all got really messy. It all got really, the, the water got very muddy and it, it got very noisy. Uh, but ultimately, we're in the same position we were in this time last week. The likelihood at that point was the resolution would go out. It would be supported. Celtic would eventually become champions, whether it's on the park or not, which is a, a rightful position given the season that we've had to date. And the Huns would be left embarrassed and trying to retreat and salvage some kind of credibility or or some kind of face from it in front of their own support, which was what the whole thing's been about in the whole in, in the first place. Is uh, I think Remy put it eloquently a few minutes ago. They, they failed on the park. They failed miserably repeatedly and expensively and the only way they were ever going to catch us this season was we'd try to pull some trick like they've just tried to pull and failed. The, uh, actually, we might as well spend a bit of time on that. Rem, let's try and uh, let's try and get to the bottom of the of uh, Rangers' motivation throughout all of this. There's probably a, a few. I'll throw, I'll throw just to start, start us off, I'll throw one in the pot. Uh, that uh, terrible season they were when the the break came, they were in a downward spiral. They had nine games left to go, uh, playing shit. You can imagine that they were not going to win many of those games. Uh, again, I don't know if you, I, I watched it. I'm, not, I'm sure not many other people did, but the Rangers-Hamilton game, it was half empty. Uh, and then Hamilton scored and it got even emptier, uh, booing. Can you imagine if that kind of form... Uh, continued the, the chances of selling season tickets uh, for next season uh, for a club already in financial trouble uh, very much diminished uh, so anything to they would obviously they probably had to get rid of their manager which would have cost them a lot of money um, so anything to stop that downward tra- trajectory uh, it, very very helpful uh, that's a pretty good motivation from their perspective right you get any more Absolutely, absolutely, because they're trying to create a siege mentality, create this big cloud of conspiracy that everybody hates them, and they're all talking behind their back in WhatsApp groups, and everybody's voting against them, even though they know they're right, uh, and and it's all you know. Then it's and they've never they have never mentioned Celtic or Peter Lowell in any of their statements, but they've made sure that their wee pals in the media have all got on side with the all oh, walls running Scottish football and you know you know the rumours that we've agreed a pre-season friendly with Dundee like how does that work when we can't get any crowds into games there's no money in that so even idiotic ideas have been put out as fact to create this siege mentality that everybody's against them they've been stitched up and that siege mentality will create well they already hate everything anyway but it'll create more hatred to make sure that they all go back again next year so they can be all be conned again by Christmas. That's Con. all it is. That's not a bad uh, slogan for a season ticket uh, marketing promotion. Conned <laughs> by Christmas. The, uh, yeah. any, any other... Well, I think you touched on it earlier. Anything to stop Celtic, Paul? That's another... Aye, aye, aye. I think it's, it's the... the... The ABC, anyone but Celtic theory, you know, they they, they, they would do anything. If, if you go back in time to, to our time three, three, four weeks ago, when we were all much more innocent, the, the game got called off on the Friday before we played them on the Sunday. Now, if that game had taken place, uh, which I think 
you know, was always going to be unlikely given what happened in that week coming up to it. But, you know, bear in mind, they played on the Thursday against Leverkusen. We were going there pretty fresh, pretty uh, pretty looking forward to it, shall we say. Uh, we beat them already there this season. If we'd managed to get that game over the line, none of this happens because we are genuinely out of sight at that point. You know, the, the fact there was the slightest bit of light for them, the, the, the 1.37% chance that they had left or whatever, you know, they're not realistically clinging on to that. It's, it's really about making sure that our 98.7% chance can get destroyed. That's all they're caring about at this um, point. And to the point, and I've used the, the, the Scorpion and the Frog analogy more than once on Twitter about them, they will quite happily burn Scottish football down and they will take anybody else down with them because it suits this week's agenda. And that includes going down themselves. You know, they, they generally can't help it. The uh, Rem, there's also a suggestion, again, I guess it's on the outer reaches of the universe. Well, certainly from my perspective, I don't know, you probably have a different view, that that they, they are going down. Uh, financially, they are ruined. And you know this is a bit of a cover for the whole thing. You can you know, find ways out of, or find excuses in all of this mess and, and blame for other people and not for themselves or their own financial position. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the chief... The chief, uh, I need to be careful with my words, let's just say the chairman, I'll just call him, he got out of Dodge. Uh, he was the only guy who was publicly willing to admit that he would lend them money, uh, although, although it would be a commercial rate of interest. He he got out at the end of March. They've put in Douglas Park, who's got mere chins and a walrus, and if you look at him, he, his company is locked up with all sorts of, well, it's actually locked up just now. He's not selling anything. He's not getting any turnover coming in through the buses. But all his assets have all got charges against them. So he's not getting any money to put into them. No, the, you know, their supposed 20 million investment and or share issue has all gone quiet. And the reason for that is it was never going to happen. But who's going to bankroll them? They need money desperately. And even if you go to Plan Z, sell Morelos for 20 million, that ain't happening either. Not that it ever was. So there is nothing. They have absolutely nothing. They've got no assets. All the, the assets, sorry, they've got no player assets they can sell. Any assets they had to raise money on, Close Brothers have already got charges on it. Their directors don't have the money to put anything in and they can't sell season tickets. They don't even have a strip for next season. And right now, they don't have a pitch either. How are they going to be playing football next season under current conditions? The uh, But this mess gives them a... Plausible, well. Oh yeah, a plausible yeah, I mean, excuse. They, 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 can, they can blame they can blame their admin on COVID nineteen, and I think by trying to burn down Scottish football, they wouldn't have been the only one going down due to the, the pandemic, and they could have used it as a well. Lots of clubs have gone bust, so don't penalise as much as you normally would because of the exceptional circumstances. Yeah, 
Uh, the only other reason I would chuck in is uh, never underestimate the malevolence of Jim Trainer. Like an embittered guy, been on the fringes of Scottish football for years. Um, really not given much back, just taken. Uh, he had a long career in Scottish football, just spewing bitterness and bile. He got his hands on the uh, steering wheel at Rangers and uh, has used it in a similar fashion to the way he's really kind of behaved through throughout his entire career. Um, I mean, pretty, I mean, pretty skillful in his own, as I say, malevolent way. Uh, but this media campaign, well coordinated to give him that, uh, slightly bonkers and incredibly badly written, has Jim Trainer's fingerprints all over it. Um, so there, there is that as well. Here, uh, just jumping on, I see a couple of bits of football thing. I just I'm looking here, uh, Paul Celtic trying to sign Patrick Roberts. No, just to change, just to change tone very quickly. Well, 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 it is it is the end of the season. That's generally when we try to buy Patrick Roberts every year, isn't it? <laughs> uh, nah. Anyway, is that is this all just crap? This kind of stuff. Do you think? He, he went. To, he went to Norwich and he didn't play, did he? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he, he, he went to loan. He's on loan at Middlesbrough. Oh, oh, he went to Middlesbrough and, and he got someone. injured about three, after about three games. At, yeah. Stephen Bond's got more games than Roberts has had in the last three years. We shouldn't touch him. Um, anyway, no, I sorry, I just a bit idea just because I saw it coming up on the Twitter feed. There's some brilliant things. I'm just looking here. Uh, the again, one for the kids, Remy. Uh, you've just been laughing at it on Twitter. The call my bluff meme by Celtic Wiki. <laughs> very, very good. Here, uh, just getting back to just the SPL, SPFL behaviour. I mean, there have been a lot of memes kicking around, Paul, about, you know, Karamoko Dumbelli and a Dundee strip and all this kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> did you see the one, the Dundee second strip revealed? And it was, <laughs> it's basically, <laughs> it's basically it's a, it's a serious, a uh, lot of serious accusations being uh, chucked about. Uh, but I think we made the point earlier that uh, it's kind of a lot of, Thunder, nay, lightning. You know, if journalists have got it, but it doesn't look. I mean, it doesn't look good, does it? I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, right. So, so possibly. <laughs> well, let me let me put it like that. So, the, just on the Dundee vote, what the explanation? There's some I didn't. I I fell asleep halfway through trying to read an explanation about the computer file, PDF file. I, I mean, it's. Right. I mean, it's just that's you know a bit about that kind of area, don't you? I, I would say one thing, right, and 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 I'm no disrespect towards the guy, but I I I worked with that guy. Who? Which uh, guy is this? Eric Drysdale, who's and, who's the, the Wraith Rovers guy. I, I I did some work with Eric in the past, in my my past days, and as a lovely guy that he is, they thought of Eric being left technologically in charge of casting Dundee's vote. <laughs> Uh, I would, hang on, can I, 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 so wait, I, wait, I, I Paul, hang on, wait, wait, Paul. Who, who, what's his, so is he at Wraith Rovers or is he at Dundee? Is he at Dundee? And what's his role? Rovers, actually, when I knew him, he was secretary at Wraith Rovers, so he's actually moved for Wraith Rovers to Dundee, so it was no surprise when I heard there'd been a technology glitch and Eric was involved. Lovely but guy Paul, that he is, I would hasten to add. But Paul, did you believe that he would send a WhatsApp message in Latin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that looks really bad uh, I, I don't want to get into the woods on the SPFL rules on casting votes that was the basis of the Partick Thistle 
Um, the basics of the Partick Thistle statement are the legal opinion that they published. Uh, I think that was to do with that. Uh, all kinds of... Uh, I mean, you made a good point you know, earlier on, Paul, Celtic weren't... Well, certainly there's no Celtic representative on the SPFL board, so it didn't have anything to do with the... Not officially, anyway, with the drawing up of the SPFL resolution, which was flawed from the start. I mean, it was... It wasn't complete, was it, Paul? No, I think we've said that a few times on, on the Daily Podcast that the, the one thing that we, we, we probably all thought that we'd have got it over the line without any other noise other than that coming from Ibrox would have been some form of tackling the reconstruction and relegation issue up front. So if the resolution had sought to address that up front in a slightly less oblique and opaque way, then yeah, it probably would have sailed through. And then the Huns would have looked even more stupid than they look now. Uh, a failure of leadership there. Uh, and flexibility. I, I presume when this was presented, somebody would have said, well, hang on a second, this isn't going to 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 work. And instead of taking on that uh, advice or opinion, Neil Doncaster proceeds to just try and ram it through. Now, what, what hasn't been said uh, is, you know, how did he ram it through? I mean, and who rammed it through? That That's a... Uh, that's a great, and that you know the the fact that those questions haven't been answered yet. I mean, there's again all sorts of allegations kicking around, bullying, uh, inducements. I mean, nobody's had the had the information or the balls to to write that story, uh, but well, it's, it's certainly out there. The, the only person who's wrote it was Rangers. Rangers put it in their statement last week. They they directly accused yeah, yes. Doncaster and Rod McKenzie of some form of corruption. They, they didn't specify what it was. They said they had evidence. They were challenged directly to produce that evidence and pulled the, all the evidence is up at my grand's bit. You don't know it. Answer. <laughs> yeah. So, so no. You know, it, I, I, again, I, I can only talk from the point of view, a business career I've got, you guys have got different backgrounds and different careers as well. We've all been in situations where people want something to happen and they'll go and have conversations with people who can make that happen. So if that's in terms of passing a resolution, if it's in terms of getting somebody in and out a door at work, there's there's been all kinds of you know backhand deals done in business in the years. But it only becomes a conspiracy when when a it's it's a bad thing and b it's an illegal thing. Uh, if you actually look at the conspiracy here, the only proof of conspiracy is amongst the no voters. Yep. And the only people who've accused anybody of anything other than uh, being above board were the people who voted no. There's no accusation. The only accusations have came from a small group of seven clubs. The other 35, now maybe that is that some of them are cowed and scared, I don't know, but none of them have come out with any kind of accusation. You mentioned the, 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 the club statements earlier, uh, a few of the clubs. The one that, that struck me was the one last week for uh, uh, Harry's pal down at air. Yep. Lackland somebody and he if you read his statement you read the first paragraph and thought wow this is going to be a, a, a solid no because he set off you know straight off talking about sport and integrity talking about he went into the meeting with SPFL with the full intention of making his views known then he saw the numbers then he saw the science and on the back of that I'm voting yes so you know there's a couple of good club chairmen have come out and explained why they voted yes there's a few that have not said much and there's a lot of rumour about what happened to the rest of them. And, you know, 
it, it might come out. You know, if, if, if Rangers can get their their act together and decide as to whether they want to push for some kind of investigation and produce the evidence to support it, it might yet come out. But if not, things are going to move on. The uh, but even the presentation of it all, I uh, we, we want your vote by five p.m. on Friday. Oh, and by the way, uh, you've got twenty-eight days to vote. I mean, that's just a uh, the lack of clarity, the lack of leadership. Uh, you know, you can't yeah, have. Yeah, they, they were doing that to try and release the money, right? Because a lot of clubs were saying they needed the money desperately. So if they'd got a yes vote by five o'clock on Monday, uh, Friday, they could have released the money on Monday. Huh. That was the whole thinking behind the the early vote. You know, they had they had over forty-eight hours. That, that, that's well, plenty of time. Well, that, that's your sorry, that's your good faith, bad faith argument right there, right? Because if you look at it, if you want to look at it from a negative slant, they only gave the clubs three days to vote on it when they could have twenty eight days. The other way to look at it is, look, guys, you're entitled to twenty eight days to vote, but if we don't get a decision within the next three, it's going to get quite serious for a number of you, because you're telling us it's going to get quite serious for you financially. So you can look at it, you know, the cup's half empty or it's half full, you know, that the old analogy. If you look at it half full, actually they were trying to get the money, as, as, as Remy says, to the clubs as quickly as they could. If you've got it half empty, they could have left it for 28 days, but who would have been left standing in the lower divisions at that point? But, but, but then say that, then provide that kind of leadership. Instead, you have this half in, half out. That The Dundee vote explanation might be... Might be perfectly reasonable, but but it's just it stinks. It looks terrible. But they, um, they, only, they only need to present it to their members. You know, to be brutally frank, they don't need to tell us anything because it's a members' organisation. It's like any other company. They don't have to. They've got a degree of information they need to make public, and they've got a degree they can get away with keeping private. So, for their perspective, if they've wanted to, as long as they're complying with company's law, they can do what the hell they like yes, in terms of how they present that to the public. They're a very public-facing organisation, and the idea of, of, have you ever heard anything like this, Remy, of publishing a, the results of an unfinished vote? I mean, well, what, 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 I'm going to say, I was going to say, and what universe does that strike somebody as a good idea? It's a, right, Especially right, in such right. a, in such a, you know, I'm trying to think of the words, you know, a really hot environment, you know, a really, you know, where, where tempers are flared and people are watching. But you have to, your propriety and the way things look, you're, you have to be very, very aware of that stuff and take account of it. It seems right, like, seems times. like, seems like the SP, SPFL did, did the opposite. Ah, well, doesn't it matter? Or didn't, are they too stupid to even think about that, of, of the appearance of things and how things look? Two things, right? One, when they vote, the vote came out, there was only 11 Premier League clubs had voted. Sorry, Premiership or whatever we call it. So now, Super Grand had forgot to hit send as well, <laughs> right? So, y y you've also got the whole media, all, everything had been leaked, said that the voting was finished at five o'clock on Friday. The results would be released about half past five. All sorts of clubs out in the papers, we're voting no few clubs saying we're voting yes at league telly on Friday afternoon that Hibs and Aberdeen had voted yes so everybody knew that the Premier League Premiership had voted in favour if the SPFL had said nothing at half five or six o'clock or half six the conspiracy theories would have been even worse 
here's how you do it. Uh, we haven't had all the votes back, so we're not announcing the vote until we've had all the votes back. There you go. I mean, right. it's, it's pretty simple. They could have done that, but when you've got so much public noise, that's a difficult option to take. Uh, well, the, and the alternative worked out wonderfully, didn't it? I mean, really? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I, I think it was a bit of, bit of an embarrassment, right? But to be honest, the whole thing has been... They're, they're doing it on the hoof because no one has encountered this stuff before. Uh, the the odd Gretna are going bust or hearts are going bust, can you throw them a hundred grand to get them at the end of the season and then they'll disappear or whatever? And that will happen. But this is a whole game. The whole game's at stake. And every week there's different information. And every week, you know, last week it was Germany was going to be playing football in May. Now it's the Germans saying there'll be no no public events, no football till August. Nobody knows what's going on. And Scottish football doesn't have the money of the massive leagues and it's the national sport and we can't allow 20 clubs say to go to the wall because of this um well for my i'd I'd allow one club to go to the wall apart from that i'd quite like the rest of them still to be here well, from my perspective, I mean, don't, and we haven't yet got the full. Well, we might have the full story. Who knows? But uh, certainly, people, guys I know in the media, are saying, "Oh no, you haven't. You don't know the full story yet." Well, Doncaster's been in it since he was appointed. Well, well, what, what I was, did people expect? Well, I was just going to. I mean, he cannot be allowed to stay in position. He has to go. I mean, his handling of this has been atrocious. But he's I, I, appointed by the clubs. He's appointed by the members, so why don't they get rid of him? Well, that's a good question. In fairness to him, he he was trapped in a lift with a lunatic. I mean, there was one lunatic club. But you've got to be adroit adroit enough to handle that. And and certainly he should have had enough experience of trying to handle them. But he's, he's, he's botched it again, and he's left there the smell of impropriety, whether or not it exists. Uh, and that's his fault. And the idea that, you know, Scott, after all of this, Scottish football moves ahead and Neil Doncaster is still in position, it's just ridiculous. Paul? Yeah. This actually sounds like we could have recorded it in 2012. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you're right. Because yeah. this, this is exactly the same conversation. It was just a different cast of characters. Doncaster was a constant, but it was it was the same the same nonsense. Look... I, I, I agree, right? If, if Doncaster was in my business, he wouldn't be in my business long. He's uh, he's I, I think he's a clown. I think he's he's not the best at communicating. That's quite clear. And he's also I don't think he's he's particularly competent at what he does. Right? I, I'll put that on the table right away. But equally, if you if you if you're Doncaster's bosses, who are the clubs, the resolution passed. To it was a complete shit show. It was a mess publicly. Uh, loads of questions to get asked about it but if you assume that it can stand up to legal scrutiny unfortunately for the detractors and, and I'm one of them Doncaster's done his job on this one it's a shit job but it's the job you've come to expect from Neil, uh, Neil Doncaster so I, I don't think it's a, any. if you look back in it, nobody's going to look back at the last two weeks with any great you know, fondness but it actually feels just to me, it's a continuation of a long story around Scottish football administration. This, you know, it's, it's interesting that certain clubs, are, it's interesting that one club 
are suddenly concerned about this stuff because for years they were the beneficiary of this incompetence and now that they feel maligned and they're the victims, you know, they want to blow the whole thing up. But I would have happily blown the whole thing up in 2012 to get some kind of justice, but nobody wanted to do it. Um, so is it the 23rd when the EFA does their announcement? I guess then the SP, S, uh, SPFL will take their lead from that. Uh, Celtic will be declared champions. I'd say, well, reconstruction will have to come, won't it? Well, you would assume post... Uh, how long's this um, Anne Budge committee sitting, Rem? She's probably not even started. Well, she's probably so, not ordered the chairs for. Do you know, I've ordered the chairs for the boardroom. Well, this. You get you get Gerard and, and McCoy saying about you don't mark your own homework, right? Why? Why is the chairperson of Hearts? Yes. Well, where is that? The, the chair, the chairman of Hamilton. Why are they leading a task force to discuss? Reconstruction. And and Budge is obviously going to come up with we need to put the top league up by two. Right? Dundee are going to want the top league up by four. And I, I you know what? I don't I think this is a sop to get the vote through and I don't think reconstruction will get voted through. And you know what? I'd be quite happy if it didn't. Paul, call the league's champions. You've got to call relegation. Well, that's a, that's my. I stopped myself in mid sentence because if you call Celtic uh, champions, you have to say yeah. something about relegation on the, on the same day. Surely you can't go Celtic are champions. And by the way, <coughs> I will decide on relegation in six weeks' time. I mean, it just adds to the. It, well, it they've actually happen. they've actually called them. Uh, they've, they've called Thistle and Stranraer's relegated just now. Well, I suppose in the yeah. statements released last uh, yesterday, yeah. They've called St. Mar- uh, Thistle and Stranraer as relegated. Breakin have obviously been saved a playoff. And if it if it was called tomorrow, Hearts would be announced as relegated. The uh, that I mean, talk about a shit show. So you announce Celtic as champions and Hearts as relegated, and then three weeks later you have a committee headed by Anne Budge, the, the chairman of Hearts. Or, uh, and I said, oh, well, we, we want to change the uh, structure of the leagues. And by the way, my club stays up. I mean, that's uh, that that looks awful, doesn't it? But everything looks awful, Paul. Aye, it, look, there's, there's only one way reconstruction is going through, right? And the only way they'll get it voted through, and, and even then I think it's unlikely, I, I would agree with Emmy's point, but the only way it's going through is if it's a one-season deal or at most a two-season deal, which is basically... We're in unprecedented times, you know, ridiculous circumstances Scottish football finds itself in economically. We'll, we'll pull the, uh, the, the, the two for the, the league below up and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep the guys there that we're going to go down otherwise. And you might, just might, get enough sympathy for a season or two seasons for that to go through. But it is, you know, cliche ridden, but it's turkeys voting for Christmas otherwise. Because if you're anywhere from 5th to ninth in the SPFL or yet anywhere from you know kind of 5th down in the championship this this does nothing for you and uh, why would you vote for it why would you vote even in the championship why would you vote to put the teams with the biggest attendances up and leave yourself financially 
you know, I know you might not have seen uh, many people attending games next season anyway, but uh, I just can't see, you know, I think there's one team, again, singling them out again, but they will vote against this regardless. So you you immediately need an 11-1 vote to pass it in the SPFL top division. The Huns will vote against it, whatever Budge comes up with, just out of badness. And that leaves you just finding the need for one vote to, to blow the whole thing apart. And there's no way they'll get unanimity amongst the other 11 clubs. No way on earth. Unless Budge can come up with some please help us deal, uh, which which is entirely possible. But I, I'd rather seen it on the table for the start and it being voted about rather than now because that just gives us 46 weeks of uncertainty. I guess... We're not going to have anything else to do for four to six weeks anyway, so we're as well letting Budge have a go at it. It's a genius move putting her in charge of it, incident, her and Les Gray, because they're probably the two most incompetent chairmen in the league. So if they come up with something that's great, everybody's happy, it's a miracle. If they don't, we all expected it anyway, and it was their fault. So yeah. for that point of view, it's a you know, genius what, move by Peter. Here, but, what right. should ha- <laughs> so, hang on. What should happen is that they should... Uh, the Hamilton, Les Gray should enrol that Nigerian prince he sent all the money to to come up with a solution for him. The, uh, you get two absolute diddies coming up with this proposal, which means it's designed to fail. We had a big vote last week, whether we like it or not. Every club, every club who voted, voted in their own self-interest, despite, despite what they tried to dress it up as. And when it comes to a reconstruction vote, there'll be no difference. From a championship club perspective, Rem, if I'm the chairman of a championship club, am I voting for any scheme that allows the club run by Scott Gardner to go into the Premiership or the Premier League, whatever they call it? That is not going to happen. I mean, the guy is... I'd be voting no in Latin, just to annoy him. Um, Yeah, so that's... uh, You have to have your doubts about uh, reconstruction. As an actual concept, Remy, are you a fan? Fourteen teams, twelve teams, sixteen teams is a is a that's that's a Dundee idea, I guess. That's never going to happen. They're just going to have to be happy with uh, Edward and Dembele on loan for the season. They're not getting sixteen teams. <laughs> the fourteen uh, team league. I'm not happy with fourteen. No. Why not? To I, explain I, that. I I just don't see the benefit of it. I I don't see what four what what good 14 teams that does. We've got a, a small cake and all we're doing is divvying that cake up in smaller slices and Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle bring absolutely nothing to the league. Um, nothing. No crowds, crap stadium, half 12 on a Sunday, which is not their fault. We've never played Inverness away at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It's just a an absolute no for me. Uh, Inverness Cali bring nothing. Well, they bring misery, don't they? Well, <laughs> there is a they have in the past. Oh, but I'm right now, Inverness Cali are they, they're pulling in crowds of about two thousand. Yeah, you know, they they're they've been teetering on the brink for about two years because they overspent trying to get straight back up. Well, I, I didn't mean about individual clubs. I just meant more conceptually. Does it, no. There doesn't seem much yeah. a difference between 12 teams and... Well, obviously the split is a 6-8 split so that the bottom teams get an extra 
an extra game to compensate for not getting uh, games against us. An extra game against Inverness Cali, say, who will bring 25 fans. You know, St. Johnson have got a home crowd of 3,000. It's just not going to be, it's not going to do anything. Paul, conceptually, 14 team league, does it bother you or are you agnostic? it would it wouldn't bother me for a for a year if we did it as a sort of emergency thing. You know, good as Scottish football, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, fine. Uh, I'm not I'm not in favour at all. I I, I I have got a solution on the Inverness thing. I think we should probably have the the playoff places in the championship should be some kind of Twitter poll, and you just <laughs> let, you let you let people vote for Air United Dundee. Or Inverness and see how it see how it pans out as the as the same goes. I, I think that would be a great you know, or even do it as some kind of live event on telly. You, you yeah. know, get 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 Chick Young to host it. It'd be brilliant. Come on the air. Come on the air. Harry Brady could host it on Zoom. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Be like one of his quiz nights. Oh. Well oh, oh, you're not even allowed to talk about that. Oh really? Oh oops. Okay. Uh, oh why not? Oh because you're the winner. Oh. You won. Well, because the Celtic Underground crew were wiped out by oh. uh, Paul and myself. Oh, really? The by the minute boy stormed the podium. Is that right? I, oh, yeah. he's did. That's right. Anyway. Um, first and third. First and third. Gold medal, bronze medal. Pretty good. And if I hadn't I'd been doing I forgot all about it. I would, I would have taken. I would have comfortably got us in last place. I would have taken <laughs> care of that for us. Here, I, it's hard to know where to stop this podcast. There's just so much. There's so much more we could go over. Um Final question. I'll start with you, Rem. The uh, optimistic about the future of Scottish football. <laughs> I mean, what's your? Uh, well, do you know I'm what? Very uh, optimistic because next year we're going to win ten in a row. Actually, how are you feeling about this? Uh, it was a great Kerry Farkasson, the guy Times calling. Was he? He's a Dundee United fan. I was. They were declared champions. I was saying, no, teasing him about the asterisks, and he's saying, why don't we put an asterisk above the club badge on the shirt? That'd be quite good. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think we should embrace the rage. Uh, they're going for eight point five in a row, which is weird. And we've played over seventy five percent of the games. As Paul said earlier, we were ninety eight point seven percent certain to win the league. They'd given up after one of their numerous defeats in February, March. The league was in the bag, so I will be celebrating it particularly due to the rage it has invoked. Paul, does it bother you? Uh, it, it only bothers me for the point of view of missing the stuff that, that Emmy talked about earlier in terms of the the actual joy of it. The, you know, the being with your pals and, and celebrating it and having a few beers and just appreciating the team and thanking them for the effort they've put in this season, which we're probably going to be denied until... God knows when, but no, the, the, the nuclear rage part of it is just brilliant, that, that's what the bit that's going to get me, that makes up for it actually, that makes up, almost makes up for missing out and seeing it, is seeing how they're going to react to it, and I'm quite happy with the, the eight and a half stuff and the asterisks and all that, I'm, I'll be quite happy to say, my Twitter Twitter name was changed 10 days ago, and, and you know, early homage to, to the asterisks stuff, and uh, you know that 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 I just find that stuff amazing, and, and I've said before, if we want to get into asterisks and titles, I am all for that in Scottish football. Um, yeah, I feel pretty much the same. Should, it's quite funny. It's very funny. I've always taken the view on the whole 
uh, 2012 stuff that uh, the holistic uh, view of uh, being a football supporter if it's whatever's in your heart and whatever you believe then that's fine it's your club you can look at it uh, any way that you want to it's just surprising that that other people aren't like me Remy no <laughs> <laughs> well yes we're not all stupid that's right <laughs> right uh, so any other business uh, Patrick Roberts yes. to Celtic what is going on can I do can I do one? Yep, sure. Just before we go, tomorrow night, nine o'clock, Tim's Twitter listening party. It's a classic album by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions called Rattlesnakes, and you're not on it. So uh, listen to Lloyd and discuss it. Is it on? I see that. To, se- to celebrate that, I think I'll unblock Lloyd on Twitter. <laughs> not the other way around <laughs> no 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 he blocked me unblocked me a few weeks ago I, was that right they're, they're really good those things aren't they yes they are they're, they've been excellent the one I've not done them all but they I've seen a lot of them that I haven't been listening to the album but I have done a few and they're, and they're brilliant if you like music they're really really good the uh, also he's had picked some he hasn't picked a bad album has he Paul I mean they've all been brilliant uh, I'm not a fan of Robertines uh, really? So that, other, other than that, I'll no, I'm best not saying on air why I don't like the Libertines, but other than that, I think it's been absolutely brilliant. It really has, and it's it's just been a, it's been a good sort of way of getting people together. I know we tried to do a wee bit of that with the podcast a few weeks ago as well, but it's you know people are all getting in the one place at the one time, and I really like what the Twilight Sad have done. I mean, they're doing the ten o'clock tomorrow, but they've actually released their their live album this morning. I know they're on Stuart's label, aren't they? Rock Action. So uh, they released a live album this morning and they're doing a, a listening party for it tomorrow night and they've done it as a, you know, one of those give what you want type deals. So instead of putting it out on iTunes at 7 99 people can pay what they can afford and it's stuff like that. We talked about how you can help artists and just we gestures like that, are, you know, where artists are trying to help people and that's that's where I feel that the, the, the Twitter listening parties have come into their own around that stuff. So no. Good luck to the Twilight side with that. I think it's a brilliant idea. I just finally forgot. I I saw on Twitter today, Paul, the the GoFundMe account has now been that's it, wrapped up, shut down. Final total was what was that again? Seven 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 one five. Aye. So absolutely amazing. And I know Tony's tweeted to to thank us again tonight. Uh, no us, but thank the the people who've donated again. So, uh, so that's brilliant. You know, hopefully the the funds will be with the the uh, foundation in the next, I think it's sometime next week. They should get the money. So we're absolutely delighted that everybody that, that helped us with that. So thank you. The um, the I saw Tony did an interview in the Celtic View podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. I hope they, I hope they, uh, they edited out all the Hun references for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not from Tony. I hasten to add. <laughs> oh, what a game. He's oh, one of the, one you of the best. You're sectarian slurs, Mr. Donegan. Uh, it wasn't me, by the way. I never. I, that's, well, that's it's your not bag. Sectarian, as, as we all know, and I'm perfectly happy to call them Huns. Right, okay. <laughs> right, Paul. Good to talk to you, Paul. Talk to you soon. Uh, you too, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Remy. See you later, Paul. Yeah, mate.
想着你。